from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. This is Pitt MedCast. When Sarah Ross tells people about her work, things get pretty uncomfortable. Often when I'm giving a talk and talking about my research, I'm looking out into the audience and seeing people scratch. Ross, an assistant professor of neurobiology at the University of Pittsburgh, is an expert in the neural basis of itch. She says itch has an unusual relationship with pain. If you have an itch, you can make it go away, if only temporarily, by scratching. The pain gets rid of the itch. On the other hand, when people take powerful painkillers like morphine, oftentimes they'll have itch as a side effect. Pain and itch seem to inhibit each other. This weird relationship has made the anatomy of itch pretty tough to pin down. An early theory was that the same nerve fibers might be responsible for both sensations. Excite the nerve a little, the thinking goes, and you get itch. Excite it a lot, and you get pain. But no one has ever been able to prove this hypothesis. Other people think that there are completely separate populations of very similar sensory afferents. One population might be involved in conveying itch, another population would be involved in conveying pain. Some things, like certain chemicals, have been known to cause either itch or pain, giving credence to the shared nerve model. But, as Ross points out, people tend to experience one or the other, not both at the same time. And pain can happen anywhere in the body, but itch happens only on the surface. How could a shared network of nerves account for that? Besides, we experience pain and itch completely differently. For example, say you're at a restaurant and the waiter brings you a piping hot plate of fajitas. Ow, 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 ow. Instantaneously, your hand jerks away. It happens literally before you know it, because your body reacts before the signal, pain, even reaches the brain. The spinal cord, specifically a portion thereof called the dorsal horn, receives sensory input, interprets it, and decides what to do about it. Your hand moves out of harm's way faster than you can say, Ow, 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 ow. Okay, now let's say that while you're sitting there enjoying your meal, a little creepy crawly starts to climb up your leg. The sensation of itch builds until... This is the exact opposite of your reaction to pain. Your hand heads right for the pestering pest that's causing you to itch. But when that hot plate grazed your skin, your hand bolted the heck away from it. Pain has always been the favorite child, the one that's gotten more attention from the research community. But no one has been able to get a molecular handle on the neurons involved in itch. Then, a few years ago, Ross found one, sort of by accident. When I was a postdoctoral fellow, I was interested in studying transcription factors these are proteins that are very important during development. She produced a mouse model that lacked this particular transcription factor. This protein is important in forming structures all over your nervous system, in your brain, in your spinal cord, in your retinas. It's known as BHLHB5. Let's just call it the neurodevelopmental gene for short. Ross looked closely at our mouse. One of the most striking things was wrong with this mouse was that it would scratch to the point that it, you know, developed a small spot on its skin. It would really rub away the fur in small spots. The mouse was itchy, but not in pain. 
Here was one more strike against the idea that the same fibers control both sensations. She wanted to find out where exactly the missing gene was causing the problem. So she tried removing it more selectively from the components of the central nervous system. When she took it out of the brain, she got mice who were no more itchy than average. When she took it out of the sensory neurons that innervate the skin, same thing. But when she removed the gene from the spinal cord and nowhere else, she got mice that rubbed those telltale bald spots in their coats. When she studied the spinal cords of these mice, she found that a certain kind of nerve cell that dampens the sensation of itch was wiped out. Apparently, these inhibitory cells needed that neurodevelopmental gene to survive. Ross says it's interesting that the spinal cord was where she found the problem. That's the very first place where pain and itch signals come together, the first place your nervous system begins to sort out sensation. In retrospect, the spinal cord seems like a logical place to look. Now, by tagging the cells that depend on the neurodevelopmental gene, Ross is beginning to trace the circuit for itch, the least understood of our somatic senses. And what she's finding makes a lot of sense when you think about that creepy crawly back at the restaurant. We've recently discovered that the neurons that are conveying itch, or at least the ones that are conveying itch in response to histamine, appear to be among the very, very, very slowest conducting sensory neurons of all the types that exist. These nerve cells have the largest of what neurobiologists call innervation territory. Meaning that one single sensory neuron in your leg might innervate a territory of skin that would be you know, 10 centimeters long and 5 centimeters wide. And that's absolutely a huge uh, innervation territory if you compare that to touch discrimination where you can discriminate you know, a millimeter. That's why when you get a mosquito bite, you find yourself scratching all over the place when the bug bite itself is just a tiny spot on your skin. When you scratch, you're not just activating the nerve fibers responsible for itch, you're activating pain fibers too. And pain gets rid of itch, remember? This is your body's way of causing just enough pain to stop that bug bite from driving you bananas. <sighs> Finally, a molecular handle on the circuits that have eluded neurobiologists for so long and a possible explanation for the head-scratcher that is the relationship between itch and pain. As she continues to trace the itch circuits from the skin to the spinal cord and all the way up to the brain, Ross is hopeful that this science will eventually lead to better treatments for people who have chronic itch, which is an unappreciated problem that can devastate quality of life. We're not stopping with itch. We're going to use the same approach to look at other types of sensation as well. Ross says it's been an interesting journey that's brought her to the podium of international conferences where she literally makes her colleagues squirm in their seats. She says if you'd asked her 10 years ago what she'd be studying now, she never would have guessed itch. Science takes you in unexpected directions. Thanks for listening. This Pit Medcast was inspired by a story from the summer 2013 issue of Pitmed Magazine. You can find it on our website, pitmed.health.pit.edu. That's pit with two T's. Interviewing, reporting, editing, and production by yours truly, Associate Editor Elaine Batone. I can be reached at vitone at pitt.edu. 
Voice acting by senior editor Joe Mitch. Don't worry, no editors were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ow, 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 ow. Our executive producer is Pitman Magazine editor-in-chief Erica Lloyd. Pitman Magazine is published by the University of Pittsburgh Office of University Communications and Pitt School of Medicine. All rights reserved. Sound effects courtesy freesound.org. And a very special thanks to Pittsburgh's own Will Simmons for the music. Thank you.